You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Gentlemen, start your engine! Triangle Tire, Tires for Life presents Dave's Corner Garage. The following is a paid program. Opinions expressed can sometimes be accompanied by hand gestures, which your sister may find offensive, but you think are hilarious. There's one in every family. Buckle in, everyone. It's time to get this show on the road. Time for Dave's Corner Garage, your Saturday morning joyride on Zoomer Radio. Got a car query? Call now, 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Good morning, Al. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning. I had to get that out of my system. You know? Yeah, you're not out of practice, which is great. No, no, no. I know we we had a couple uh, couple of weeks off, which was kind of nice mm-hmm. in the middle of summer. And um, yep. uh, it, but 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 you know, racing. I, I I watch it on TV, and 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 you live and breathe it. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, I've been I've been driving a couple of circuits and some fast cars, and it's been fun. And like, if there's not enough tracks, we brought Jeff in to tell us about a new one that they're going to bring up. Yeah, we, you know, with an hour's drive of my house in the city, there's a new circuit going in, and and Jeff Campbell from Oro Station is here. It's a pretty cool. Pretty cool project. Now I understand it's already laid out, and and you've done a lap in a bobcat. Is that right? No, no. I think Jeff has. I've <laughs> I've, I've done a, uh, several laps on the simulator, okay. and uh, you know the, the simulators are, are very realistic these days. So I I could go I could you know whenever the circuit's going to be ready, I can jump back on the circuit in real life and be very very happy. But uh, the circuit's very tough. I've driven circuits all around the world, and uh, and what Oro Station's got is a is a very cool uh, facility, and it's not just a racetrack. There's a lot of stuff going on that Jeff will tell us about a little bit later. Exactly, and we have our uh, our friend OPP Sergeant Kerry Schmidt on board today, and uh, he's going to have some tips how to keep you out of trouble, uh, safe driving, and stay out of the courts and without having to pay fines, because apparently uh, if you cause a bit of a problem on the highway, not only is it a problem because you lost your mattress, but you can get a ticket for that too, eh? Oh yeah, all kinds of stuff. And, <laughs> and you know, the best thing about social media these days is you see all kinds of disasters in traffic, whether that's, you know, boats coming detached from their trucks and trailers, all kinds of things. Yeah, actually, and uh, we're going to have Amy Bradley on a little later, and she was talking about that too. Apparently, if you've got a big motorhome and you decide to make a quick lane change, mm-hmm. uh, things can happen. They, yeah, they sure can. I, you know, For all the towing that I've done over the years, I've been pretty safe, but that's because I'm pretty pragmatic about it. But a lot of people don't put the additional care into towing. No, exactly. And, 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 and as you say, everybody's big on social media. I wonder how many accidents happen when somebody sees an accident, takes their phone out, take a picture of that accident, <laughs> and it causes a secondary or a third or fourth accident. I, I'm sure Kerry can answer that question. I'm sure it happens. <laughs> I believe historically we know that is rubbernecking. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. But but you can just have to turn your head, you know. I mean, you didn't have to stop and say, well, well hang on, hang on. And, you know, you need two hands to do that. Well, don't don't you know, Al, it does, it's never happened if it didn't happen on social media. <laughs> yeah, I, no, that drives me crazy, you know, yeah. especially when you're on a divided highway and whatever it is is on the other side. You're going, why are we slowing down here? Exactly. 
Let's have a look. What's going on over there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, seriously. No. So we've got Amy, we've got Carrie uh, Schmidt on board, and we've got Jeff. We're going to talk more about the track, and uh, it's exciting. Now, it's it's not a track necessarily that you're going to have big races at, correct? Correct, yeah. So it's not built as a big competition venue, which traditionally has large, large open fields for parking for uh, fans and, and kind of feels empty unless you've got a few or 10,000 or more on the property. So we're not quite designed like that. Right. But, and, and that, that sounded really interesting though. I, you know, and, and, and it's, it's, it's only up to a certain level too, I imagine, like uh, as far as what class it is? Correct. Yeah. So our, we are now an FIA rated track. So mm-hmm. we have our international designation and our rating is grade three. So grade three is designed for GT cars. Um, so as opposed to F1 cars or a lot of the, the really fast prototypes that you see at IMSA, mm-hmm. we're designed for the GT cars that you would see at IMSA in sports car racing, et cetera. Okay, so you're a rich dude and, and, and you could afford to buy a Ferrari because your dad owns a big company. Could you take your car there? You could, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it's designed specifically for that type of class of car. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, is there a name for that car? What's that? Or the driver? Is there well, the, yeah, there, there's there's probably names <laughs> for all of that stuff, but uh, yeah, the the Jeff will explain. But uh, it, they've got uh, they've got really cool spaces there, and uh-huh. uh, and if uh, if you've got a collection of cars, you can keep them at the circuit as well. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, so I don't even have to keep them at Dad's building. That's, I can keep them. Up that's there. right. Well, it'd be a lot closer. <laughs> and that's I, right. And, and I'm sure you employ wa- car washer people there too. Right? We do. There's a lot of people on site. I'm excited. I wish I had a Lamborghini. This is Dave's Corner Garage. Whether you got a Ferrari, a Lamborghini, or kind of uh, old Pontiac, that works too. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Dave's Corner Garage. I'm Brian Max here with Alan Gelman and Jeff Campbell from Oro Station. Yes, uh, but you know, it's funny. I guess this is how your mind works or how your computer listens in on you. But uh, I happen to mention Pontiac, and, and, and I guess that's what the trigger was. Uh, a good friend of the station, a good friend of our listeners, a good friend of the city of Toronto, passed away this past week. His name is Mike Filey. Um, Pontiac? Well, because he owned a 55 Pontiac, and um, he was a car guy, aside from, you know, leading uh, walking tours of the tr- city of Toronto. He had uh, he had a newspaper article, article called The Way We Were for many, many years in the Toronto Sun. Um, a historian. He he worked for uh, Canadian National Big Exhibition. He worked for Canada's Wonderland. Uh, people loved him, mm-hmm. right? and uh, and he was a member of the Thornhill Cruisers. Actually, oh no kidding! Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. later in life, he lived up uh, in Willowdale, mm-hmm. and his wife Jarmella actually got him the car. I think it was for his seventieth. You know, he he always loved cars, but never had the time or, or desire to get one. And uh, his wife bought him one for his birthday, so that was really nice. And as a matter of fact, uh, the other connection I have, too, as well, is that uh, the fellow named Kenny Kirsch, who I know for many, many years, he's an artist. He does mostly landscapes, like of uh, Muskoka and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I always joke with him. I said, how come there's only two canoes in this picture? Because normally you have one or three, you know. Uh, but he hooked up with Mike many, many years ago. Apparently, Kenny worked for uh, the TTC, and and he worked in the in the archive department and they had millions of pictures of old street cars and landscapes and stuff but of course way back when they were all black and white right so kenny and mike got together and they did some pictures where they brought them to life where kenny who's like a realist kind of painter mm-hmm. all painted sketched these things first of all and then painted them in color and uh, Mike wow. used a lot of these uh, illustrations in his books, and, and mm-hmm. people have loved them. And, and Kenny's been able to sell lots of them, too. So uh, anyways, Mike will be missed, and uh, 
What can I say? So we've got uh, on a fun side, Jeff Campbell is here. Jeff, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming down from way, way, way up north to the uh, city. Absolutely no problem at all. It was an excuse to get out in a classic car. <laughs> Talk about a car. So uh, for our listeners, uh, Jeff drove his uh, vintage Mustang that is decaled from his recent gumball uh, drive, and uh, it's loud, obnoxious, and you can't miss it. You mean like the actual gumball rally that they used to do back in the 70s? Yeah, yeah. so we uh, just ran the gumball rally from Toronto to Miami from uh, in May until early June. We were about eight days. Wow, and, and uh, how many breakdowns? Uh, so for us, a lot. We uh, actually won the Against All Odds Award because we effectively rebuilt the driveline between here and uh, Miami. We put a new engine in 24 hours before we left. We ran the break-in fluid to Indianapolis where we changed the oil in Monument Circle. Uh-huh. And then at uh, Talladega Speedway, we blew a transmission and ended up having to replace that in Atlanta. Um, uh, standard or automatic? Standard. Okay. Yeah, it's a six-speed. Uh Oh, like a, a racing tranny? Yeah, yeah, it's got a Tremec Magnum in it. I was going to say, because I think <laughs> originally it came with three on a tree, that car, didn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah, it's a totally different thing. Yeah, yeah, no, it's... Uh, oh, so it's a full-on race uh, uh, driveline? Uh, pr- effectively, yeah. It's, I, I'd say it's a street performance as opposed to race. There's no cage in the car, but uh-huh. uh, it's it certainly would qualify under the Resto Mod category. It's not stock at all. Okay, so uh, and so you put a new motor in before you left. Yep, we did. Yeah, and uh, we we literally took it off the dyno and took it down to Toronto to put it on the starting grid. Uh, we were the oldest car on the rally. Uh-huh. No air conditioning. That's quite a hot run to Miami. Um, but uh, we we had to break in the oil, the engine between here and Indianapolis in the first day. As a matter of fact, uh, last week um, I watched the Indy race um, and uh, AJ Allmendinger, who's this great road course guy, almost like a ringer, they call him. His, uh, they they wear a suit that has water that goes through it. Mm-hmm. It's a cool suit. Yeah, cool suit. Well, it's only cool when it works. That's right. So the water pump quit. Yep. So apparently it makes it worse than if you didn't have it. Yes, because, you know, the, you're just basically sitting in, in uh, what is effectively a bathtub now. Right, and and he ran out of water, um, mm-hmm. and, and essentially I think the in-car temperatures are like 110, 115. Uh, yeah, point. if not more. I mean, th- those cars are very, very hot. Um, you know, I've raced Vipers, and those those are probably the same cabin temperatures. are very, very hot. And at the end of the race, they, they saw this... They had a picture of him crawling out the window, and then actually, when he got out of the car, he fell down. He just yep. was totally exhausted, and um, and and he's a fit guy. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's not he's not a traditional NASCAR driver. He's very very fit. Yeah, no cigars. No, no cigars. <laughs> no whiskey. <laughs> well, that sounds exciting. So, uh, you've been working on this thing. How many years has this been going on so far? I mean, you could make one argument that it's been my entire life, uh, in the sense that when we were quite young, my brothers and I used to joke about, wouldn't it be cool one day to build a racetrack, never thinking that that would come true. But uh, I moved back to Canada in 2017, and I stumbled across a property that had some very unique legislative rules around it, and uh, I, I saw a window of opportunity. Make, make that clear. No, you can't build a friggin' racetrack here. <laughs> what are you thinking? This is like the this is the trees, the earth, the wild animals, and you want to pollute it with all this sound and oil and grease. Well, thankfully, we're directly across the street from an airport with a 6,000-foot runway, so we're not the problem. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. So don't blame us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is Dave's Corner Garage. We're going to have to take a break. I guess you can hear the music. I can. But after the break, we're going to have OPP Sergeant Kerry Schmidt with us, and uh, he's going to have some great summer driving 
tips. We'll be right back. You're listening to Dave's Corner Garage. I'm Brian Max here with Alan Gelman and Jeff Campbell from Oro Station. We're going to talk about this very exciting new facility up north of the city, but we have our pal OPP, Sergeant Kerry Schmidt, with us today. How are you, Kerry? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing this morning? Very well. Very good. But we're not going to talk about people racing on the street. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk about how that's a plus, where not, not that they race on the street, but at least they'll have another venue to go to rather than driving like, crazy people on the highway but this time of year people are driving up north they're towing stuff what do they need to look out for <laughs> well you know what before they get going down the road just look at what you're tying down um you know now, now this is maybe not related to what you're thinking about but yesterday for example uh we had an incident on the 401 and it was the uh, rider of a motorcycle that fell off the back of the motorcycle. Oh. So, you know, so normally we talk about you know straps and tying things down and being properly secured. Uh, I think there's something to be said about driving behavior. If you're driving in a manner that you are throw- that you are sending your passenger off the back of your bike, there's certainly a problem. <laughs> so, <let's- laughs> I would say. I think that might be obvious. Yeah, <laughs> and you know what? And, and sadly, we've actually had a few of those situations uh, in the past uh, recent years, I guess, and that's resulted in fatalities where people have come off the back of bikes because uh, the rider is uh, showboating and and uh, ripping away that you know catches the passenger by surprise. You hit the gas like any kind of machine. It doesn't matter if it's a motorcycle, sea uh, doo, or a watercraft or whatever. They have so much acceleration, so much power, and if you're not strapped in, uh, you're you're going for ride but uh, when it comes to your cargo that's a whole nother thing and that's when you need to use all the straps that you can find and, and make sure that uh, it is properly tied down secured uh, because you are pushing a lot of wind uh, and if you have a mattress that catches it you're going to turn your car into a sailboat and uh, and there's a lot of pressure on those on those straps well i, I saw chevy chase when he they put the dead grandma on the roof of that car eh <laughs> <laughs> they used a lot of duct tape and stuff, and it, and it worked. Okay, it worked, she it never worked. did come off. But it was the abundance of duct tape that helped. Yes, <laughs> or racing yeah, I tape. Think I think they tape, call it. Yeah, I don't think duct tape has actually a working load limit. So uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what we would uh, rate that in terms of strength and uh, ability to tie down. Yeah, it's it's a make it's a fixed project that you can uh, use, I guess. But you know, throw a couple of ratchet straps. Uh, chains if you have to or rope or whatever but make sure that uh, whatever you're holding down because my goodness we've seen so many uh, you know coolers and picnic tables and lawn chairs and barbecues and you know everything else and you know on top of that if you're pulling a trailer um, having it properly secured and well maintained as well I can't tell you how many trailers you see every weekend going north that has blown out axles because of burnt out wheel bearings uh, or or uh, exploded the laminated tires that have just disintegrated because they've been sitting in some parking lot for the last five years they're probably under inflated and uh, as soon as you hit the road hey listen you you know all about having proper uh, inflated tires right and absolutely <laughs> yeah someone... actually it was one thing i was going to mention as well is people don't realize you know most cases as far as a car tire they're just looking to tread depth and they don't look at much else maybe for a yeah. cut sidewall but they don't realize especially with trailers that they don't really wear out not the tread so much but the uh but the rubber does break down and you have uh, weather checking and and cracking and they can blow out very easily and uh, so very... you got to look for that 
Absolutely, and, and especially if you have just a little bit under-inflated pressure and you don't realize how much that tire is squatting, every time that tire rotates, there's a flex and a compression uh, on that tire. And listen, anytime you take a, a, a nail or, or something metal and you bend it back and forth 10 times, it's going to break, just like that rubber. Every time it flexes, it creates heat, and uh, eventually it can't handle it, and it's gonna it's gonna just you know delaminate. It's gonna deteriorate, and it's gonna explode. Did they send you to Tire University? You sound like a freaking engineer all of a sudden. <laughs> hey, you know, I even went to a I was a I'm a wheel installer. I went to a wheel installer course to understand uh, the fundamentals of properly installing your wheels. And and, and, uh, and, and you had to go back a week later to make sure your nuts were tight. Exactly. Check your nuts. That's the number one thing there, right? All right, Kerry, now, joking aside, now, you know, you didn't strap this stuff down. It blew off. It caused an accident behind you. You can get charged, right? Absolutely. Hey, listen, I've I've had full love seats come off the back of pickup trucks. So they, they think it's uh, you know heavy and and solid, and you hit a bump and you hit a little vibration, and that's going off the side, and now you got wrecked. And well, listen, we were I just was, going to the driving for the night. We didn't think we'd have to actually strap her down. You know, well, seriously. Do you know what? It's kind of eerie that you said that because we actually uh, have a, a fatal investigation that we're dealing with right now. Someone had a pickup truck with an inflatable air mattress. They were on their way to a drive-in theater. It flew off. It went went onto the road, and another guy on a motorcycle uh, hit it or swerved to avoid it was killed because of that. So, um, you know, there are those those are real tragedies and real lives are being affected just because of someone's carelessness because they're going out for a, a night on a night on the on the town going for a little party and having a good time with an air mattress exactly um, so do your due you diligence know. make sure everything's tied down right make sure your tire pressures are checked carrie thank you for joining us as usual anytime man I'd love to come down and see you sometime we can arrange that yeah we'd love to all have all right you. let's do it <laughs> all right this is dave's corner garage Brian and uh, Jeff are going to get up close and personal at Oro right after this break. Welcome back to Dave's Corner Garage. I'm Brian Max here with Alan Gelman and our guest, Jeff Campbell, who I've known for quite a while. Jeff uh, is, I don't know what your title is, but you're responsible kind of for a new facility going up way north of the city called Oro Station. And it's not just a racetrack. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's something a little bit different in terms of a model from what people traditionally expect out of racetracks. Um, typically, people are used to seeing these big competition venues that are for thousands upon thousands of fans. Um, but this is something that we see more out of Europe, where we have an FIA Grade 3 track, but alongside the track, we have a 50-acre business park. And that business park is sort of home to race teams, classic car restorers, and innovation companies. Um, so it's it's a little bit of a different format. Yeah, and it's not really not meant for spectators. It's meant for you know the circuit's meant for obviously testing and people having fun, but then everything else you're doing around the facility really rounds out the the the, the whole venue because um, you've got a well. First of all, I remember you've got a partnership with uh, Georgian College. We do, yeah. So Georgian College is just a few minutes down the highway, and they have the Automotive Business School of Canada there. So it was a very obvious fit to work with them in terms of their curriculum and where they're headed as a school. Um, but particularly when we're looking at new automotive technology, whether it be EV or autonomous, we've got to start training students into that workforce to get accustomed to this new tech so that we can actually service and work on these vehicles in the future. And uh, so having Georgian there 
provides a lot of opportunities for students to work in sort of the next iteration of the automotive industry. Was the concept to actually move the campus there at one point? Uh, not the campus. Georgian's very big. Okay. Uh, they're the largest college in Ontario, but uh, they they will have a presence there. Um, so whether it be certain classes that are doing research programs with the EV cars, aut- autonomous cars, right, we, right, will, right. Uh, we will see them regularly on site. Excellent. Um, what's a, Just a quick question. Um, I, I watch racing. Grade 3, what does that mean? So grade 3 is a um, rating for um, uh, from the FIA specific to the type of racing that can be in competition format. And so if, what that means as it relates to us is that with a grade 3 rating, uh-huh. we can have GT cars compete wheel-to-wheel. And uh, the way that they do this is that they're measuring the speed of vehicles, the velocity of vehicles, and right. then associating the safety alongside that to ensure safety. So F1 is an example. Grade one, because of how fast they go, yeah. they've got the highest safety standards. But a grade three is specific to GT cars, which are very similar to what you would see on the road. Now, in terms of speed limitation, I mean, again, we were joking about somebody taking his Lamborghini or Ferrari there, which could do 200 Ks. Would you have that ability to do it on your track? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. you could? Yeah, oh, you okay. could. And that's, and that's in part why we went through the FIA process, mm-hmm. is that we know that not only can you do that on the track, the safety systems have been designed to be safe when you're doing that. So okay. if, heaven forbid, somebody were to crash a car at 200 kilometers an hour, mm-hmm. the safety systems are designed to take that impact. And runoff areas, you have room? We do, yeah. Runoff areas, predominantly paved runoff areas, because right. when you're dealing with these cars, the best thing to stop them is actually the rubber they're running on, as opposed to <laughs> the sand traps. Or, <laughs> oh, like, I watched oh, the sand oh, trap, oh, and they went, oh, he's ah. on the beach. And, and, then, <laughs> and then you're stuck. Right, yeah, 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 you got to get a or, tow truck. Yes, or like me, when, when there's grass between the racing circuit and the wall, that doesn't slow you down very well. <laughs> no, got, no, not at I got, all. I got a chipped tooth as a result of one of those wrecks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you lock up the brakes, they just keep going. Yeah, it's like you accelerate on the grass. It oh, does actually speed up, eh? Yeah, no, that's what it seems like yeah. when you're driving. <laughs> your, your heart certainly speeds up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. So you guys have already started construction now and everything is approved. So you can you can finally get this place built. Yeah, I mean, we've been working on this now a couple of years, but we were quite um, uh, quiet about it in the sense that we were really focused on getting through the approvals process. Um, you can imagine that getting something like this zoned and approved and engineered, there's a lot to it. And so we sort of just stayed focused and engaged with the different stakeholders, agencies, municipalities, et cetera, to get through the approval process. And we've just come to the completion of that in June. Um, so we have already started work. We've been bringing out engineered fill and getting ready for the site prep. Um, but now with that permit, we're allowed to actually start construction of the track itself. That's that's very exciting. And, there, and there, you know, uh, in case you're not following along, there's there's a lot more that needs to be built here. So there's there's all kinds of structures that, that you're going to build from, that you're going to build from garages to commercial space. Absolutely, yeah. So the very first step that we get into is modifying the ground. So that is the grading, the servicing as it relates to stormwater, and the circuit itself, because the grades of the circuit dictate a lot of the level across the entire property. But we've got 700,000 square feet of buildings designed to be on this facility. And that's a mix of private garages that are available for purchase that people are buying to move their car collections to be trackside, um, particularly for people that are, you know, that have these high performance cars that really have no place on the highway anymore. This is now giving them a place where they can keep them and actually use them as they were designed. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, there's so many five, six, seven hundred horsepower cars now. I mean, they're meaningless on the road. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the circuit gives them a place to, to really play with them and enjoy them. Absolutely. And it, and it makes our roads a lot safer by having more of these types of outlets where these cars can be used as they're designed. 
it takes away the urge for people to do it on the street. I mean, I know you're a racer. You can certainly attest to this. After coming off a racetrack, you're probably going home at cruise control 98 kilometers an hour because you have no desire to speed anymore. Yeah, well, they, they, the quality of driver has changed uh, from one venue to the other. Yeah. Now, wh- what sort of timeline are you on now, Jeff? So, I mean, we pandemic certainly slowed some things down as we got through that approval process. And as a developer, you always want it to be as fast as possible. Of course. But we've got, there's a lot of planning and mobilization that goes into this. But so the first step is getting through that grading the circuit. We're still targeting to have the circuit open towards the end of 2024. So we'd probably be August, September that we'll be turning the first laps on the finished pavement. Mm-hmm. But from a building's perspective, they'll be coming up in sort of mini phases of about 100,000 square feet per year. So we'll see buildings going up over a six, a six seven year timeline. Wow. And now, when, when do the first buildings go up? We're, we're talking about that now. Um, okay. I'm eager. So we may actually put in a foundation before the end of this year, but more than likely you'll see the first building starting next year. Well, certainly the stuff that's related directly to the track, I mean, you know, garages and pit areas, those will be, I guess, put up first? Yeah, yeah. So we've got actually a pit pavilion building that's on our main um, start-finish straight. That's one of the first buildings to go up. And the primary reason that it's got to get up is not just for track infrastructure as it relates to in the pit lane, Mm -hmm. but we're actually running digital flag systems around the entire track. So we have fiber optic camera systems and digital flags around the whole um, circuit that it creates this IntelliTrack format that makes it really efficient in the way we operate it, and all of that feeds back into that main building. So we've got to build a building to get the server farm up and running. Right, and, and, and I'm sure that the engineers who are going to be using the track for developmental purposes need that data. Absolutely, yeah. And, and you'll be able to provide it. Yeah, yeah, and that, that data is, is on one hand that system is providing a safe and efficient way to actually run the circuit itself, but it gives us opportunities to be able to tap into that to add additional sensors. So when we're looking at vehicle development, it sort of opens up a whole new um, field of, of data capturing as they're working through the, the kinks of, of new tech. Yeah, super. Um, so that's all hardwired right back? It is, yeah, hardwired right back into the server room. And uh, as far as just the, the property itself, the landscape, your undulation and elevation, all that stuff, are, are you sticking to kind of what's there or are you moving mountains kind of thing? I mean, it looks like we're moving mountains right now, but we've actually designed the facility to fit in within that existing landscape, but accentuate it where it makes sense to do so. So we didn't want to um, put in a facility that sort of went really against the grain. Mm-hmm. We made it work with the land, right. work with the surrounding, um, and and just enhance that and augment it where we can. I think most parts like that for the most part, isn't it? Well, it was you know it was designed in the fifties. They basically you know walked the property and said this is where the circuit's going to go. And uh, the tra- track design's a little little different these days. Uh, right. But you know what? In some ways, it's still the same because that's where it started. Yeah. First day was walking the track and having a conversation about where we're going to mo- put the different features, how we're going to run it, and then mm-hmm. that translated into the final design. Right, as you're walking and you go, oh, this is a nice nice bit of a hill here, and that would be good. It would be blind. That would be great. That would be very exciting. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> and, you know, as a, from a driver's standpoint, um, you know, you, you need those kind of features. And, you know, if you look at any of the images, um, I don't think it's apparent uh, at, at any point until somebody really drives it. I, you know, I've driven the, the version, uh, the sim version of the circuit. But there will be some elevation changes in some very strategic areas that make it more challenging. Mm-hmm. And, and that, you know, that's what drivers love. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think when you get into a track that's just very flat, you lose a certain um, sense of excitement because the car's not moving around. And um, the minute you get into strategic elevation, I mean, most sports elevation in some places is strategic, some places is just terrifying. But in <laughs> Ter- a really, terrifying is a great word. Yeah, in a great way. I mean, I absolutely I, love it. But this is I like turn two. Different. 
Yeah. I like turn two. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I've crashed in turn two. That's same. Yeah. Well, at least they don't have any guardrail there. No, it's, it's you know I, I left the track ninety six miles an hour, hit the tire wall at forty six miles an hour. Wow! With my family watching, that was great. Yeah, that's great. Um, just quickly too, do you have any major manufacturers involved in this construction business? Uh, so, in terms of manuf- car manufacturers, yeah. we're in discussion with some. We can't. We're bound by a bunch of NDAs that we're not allowed to share at the moment. Ah. But uh, there will be some announcements coming out as we get closer to. All right, we got to stop and take a break. We're going to have. Uh, we'll get back to you a little later. But uh, we got Amy Bradley next. She's from Wayfair Insurance, and we're going to announce the contest winner. There was a Thule roof rack that looked amazing, yes. and. And then they've and thrown in some extra swag too. Yeah, Tire Butler's helped out with this, and uh, we've got a we've got a cool prize and a, and a very uh, thankful winner, I think. Yes, Amy will be with us right after this break. Welcome back to Dave's Corner Garage. I'm Brian Max here with Alan Gilman and our friend Jeff Campbell from Oro Station. And uh, on the line is Amy Bradley from Wayfair Insurance. Amy, what's going on today? Oh, good morning, gentlemen. Trying to stay cool. That's all I can say. Probably after this, have some refreshments just to keep hydrated. Well, that's a good reason, but I don't think you normally need one, do you? No. No, <laughs> not usually. Amy's always cool. <laughs> yep. Oh, but this is the joys, right? Tis the season. But I'll tell you, we're going to be combining some wheat here shortly, so if anyone is free, you can help put it up in the mouth of the small squares. All help is needed. <laughs> Weeds. What do people? We- you expect people to come in and uh, I think that, uh, wheat. Oh wheat. wheat. Oh yes. oh oh. Yes. I thought you talking about weeding and getting too many. You know, having to get down and pull those weeds out. No, of no, no, that's, that's oh no, yeah, no 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 wheat for the cows. <laughs> uh, of course, of course, and. Uh, Okay, we're talking about Wayfair Insurance. We're talking about travel trailers. People are out and about. You complained. You were talking earlier in the green room how you're watching people drive, and I guess in a lot of cases, you know, maybe they're just weekend renters. They're not owners, and they haven't done this for a long time. Maybe it's their first time, but they're not putting the right equipment on their vehicle, or they're driving them stupid. Or is it a combination, Amy? Well, a little bit of both. Okay. I tell you, we took a vacation out east and literally just got back last week. Which was lovely, but what I noticed with some RVers, they're not putting on the sway bars. Um, I call them sway bars. Some people may call them stabilizers. This is for your RVs, and it it helps you um, when you're traveling. So if you're going fast, because down east, it literally has a minimum speed of 60 and a maximum of 110. And by golly, people were going. They were in their lanes. But their trailer was swaying back and forth within their lanes, which means you're going a little too fast. And when we, I told Justin, I'm like, give it, give it. I don't want to be beside the trailer. Um, Then when I looked and noticed there was no sway bars on it. That is crucial, especially if you're doing long hauls. And it helps you keep the trailer in line with your vehicle. Sometimes people cut you off and you need to slam your brakes. It will help you not to jackknife the trailer because we have to realize people with RVs, it is just like cutting off a transport truck. There's a lot of weight behind them and we have a lot of new people out there that you'll see and they may be not as seasoned as um, RVers that go 
year-round. So always remember your sway bars. And if you think you don't need one, you do. It doesn't matter what trailer you have. Always put them on. And you may say to me, hey, Amy, if I don't buy one, will I have insurance coverage? Yes, with us, you will have insurance coverage because that's um, covered within our policies. And the best thing is, and if you do have an accident, we do have that guaranteed replacement coverage for units 10 years and newer, which means if you do have a total loss with your unit, if it does jackknife and you do flip and you don't have sway bars on, you're still going to be covered, but you're going to get a brand new unit if that happens, still same like and kind. But I just want, my first priority is to have people safe. Just be safe and go slow. The, uh, the sway bars, normally, if, let's say you're renting the trailer. Um, would most trailer owners have them? How do you go about getting them? Well, the people that rent should have them on there. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the proper hookup, then you probably have too big of a unit to pull your your um, for your car. So you can't use just a regular trailer hitch then? Is that the case? Well, you can. Yes, unless you have a fifth wheel. Then you have to have, if you rent a fifth wheel, you have to have the hitch in your truck. But for the majority, a normal hitch will pull the trailer. But you want to make sure, even if you're renting, make sure you can hook up stabilizers. Do you know what? To be honest, we went camping at my sister's house, um, and she's only about 15 minutes away. Bobby is. And I thought, oh, we don't need the stabilizers because it's all back roads, right? Nope. I said, I will not do that again because it still pulls you every which way because we have to go up hills, down hills, and your trailer moves, and it moves your car as well. So it's best to have the stabilizers on. All right. Let's get to our contest winner. Oh, this is so exciting. Okay. So first off, I just want to thank everyone for entering in for our Thule rack, which was courtesy of Tyre Butler. So thank you to your butler for letting us have this um, month contest. So are we ready? We're ready. Do we have a drum roll? I'll do a drum roll. Da-da. All right. That sounds and great. Our yep. winner is C. Oh, are you ready? Yep. Okay. Seafood Huffman of Niagara Falls. Congratulations. You're the winner of our Thule Rock. I'm so excited. I hope he is excited just as much as I am. And we also threw in a little Wayfair table that can hook up like it literally folds to nothing and two Wayfair tumblers to join in with the Thule rack. That's great. How much can you put in one of those racks? Oh, my gosh. Do you know, especially if you're camping, if someone has a tent trailer, and you have a large family. You can't put things in there. You can put a lot, like a whole weekend, your food, your clothing, like tons of stuff in there. Mm-hmm. So, like, pretty much you can pack the whole weekend up in there. And even if you go hiking or camping, everything goes in it. It's yeah. lovely. Question, and you know what? I forgot to mention. What? The prize pack was over $1,300. Get out. Really? Yeah, those those Thule rocks yeah. are very, very nice, and they're not inexpensive. They're beautiful pieces. Oh, wow. Now, yeah. is that something you put up there and leave it all season, or does it come off and on easily? You can leave it up there all season, and yes, there's um, 
accessories, which I believe Butler Tire is going to throw in as well. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about it. And you can take it on and off, but the majority, you know, in the wintertime, I would take it off mm-hmm. um, just because, you know, the snow and everything. But for the most part, you can leave that on all season long. Amy, you have a website for people who are green behind the ears, you know, about trailers and whatnot. Um, what is that if they want to get some more information? Absolutely. You can go to rvtips.ca, and that's tips with an S. And we'll have everything about stabilizers and what we have for insurance and what you're covered, not covered, everything there so everyone can enjoy an adventure. Right, because again, it's it's uh, you should learn how to do it. You should learn how to do it safely. Some amazing tips, um, especially, you know, it's not like... Uh, <laughs> you do need a little bit of advice. You don't just hook her up and, and hit the gas. <laughs> I think that's what I did 30 years ago when I started racing, but uh, now it's a little different. I'm a little more practiced. I can tell you that I uh, I, I helped a buddy with a just a flatbed trailer to bring some junk back from the cottage, and uh, we, we must have had somebody looking over us because when I went to disconnect the trailer, uh, nobody tightened the tongue. Oh, no. Nobody tightened oh, no. the tongue. Oh. And we couldn't believe it. We just had enough junk on the front to keep her down, eh? <laughs> yeah, so bad. Talk about idiots. Yeah. Well, Amy, thank you very much. Thank you so much, everyone. Stay uh, safe and have and keep cool today. Exactly. Go have yourself a wobbly, would you? Thank you. I will. All right. Thanks, take everyone. care. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thanks, Amy. All right. We'll be back with Jeff, Brian, and myself right after this break. Welcome back to Dave's Corner Garage. I'm Brian Max here with Alan Gellman and our pal, Jeff Campbell from Oro Station. And, uh, you know, Jeff, I've lived most of my life here in Ontario, and there's always been rumors of circuits and and whatever, and all kinds of stories. And given that I've I've written about Oro Station in my column in Haggerty a couple of times, I've had some questions. And like a lot of these private circuits, people perceive that Oro Station is going to be this lockdown gated private members club only, but that's not the case. Oro Station is open to the public. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, when you look out in Europe, there's some really interesting facilities like Bister Heritage where, um, you know, they have components of it that are members um, areas of the facilities, but they really are a home for the automotive community, both the enthusiast and the business community. And with us, that 500,000 square foot campus, it has hospitality, cafes, restaurants that are being designed into it, museum space. And typically during the week, you'll see tenants or uh, groups like Paul Caro, who's moving their race teams up there. They're in their just typical business week at work at the side of the racetrack in their uh, in their garages. But come the weekends, it's cars and coffee and people walking the grounds and going around to the spaces. And that's something that's open to the public all the time. Um, so it, it's really about creating this new destination and home for the automotive community both to um, you know, have service providers there in classic car restoration, performance mechanics, etc., but also a chance to explore and see the new technology that's being developed, whether that be experiential marketing or product launches and things of that nature. But we will have public there every day. Yeah, and, and for somebody who attends new product launches all over the place, I, I would be very excited to sleep in my own bed and drive up to Oro Station for a new product launch. Yeah, absolutely, or even it's not that far just to carry on to the cottage. You know, that's the thing. It's, you know, it's right on the way to cottage country. It's it's The last time I drove up, it was about an hour's drive from the middle of the city. It was yeah. easy to get there. Yeah, we're exactly equidistant between Toronto and Muskoka. Um, so in terms of 
accessibility. I mean, whether you're going to Georgian Bay or uh, to Collingwood or up to Muskoka, you pretty well have to drive by Aurora to get to all of them. Yeah, absolutely. Which is the way I go. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's easy for me. Now I just need to be able to afford one of those garages. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you and both. Now, when you set up the time for the public to come up um, in terms of bringing their own car, um, would that be like a once a week kind of thing or what, what would you project? Uh, sorry, in terms of being on track? Yeah. So the track is, as a part of the FI rating, we've got some pretty stringent safety standards. Mm-hmm. So we don't have sort of the open lapping days that you typically see at, say, Cayuga, where okay. people come in for the evening and go racing. Because cars that are going on track have to be tech inspected. They have to go through annual certification processes before they're out there. Um, so, so public opportunities to go on track, it's not quite the same as the arrive and drive type format. These cars. Oh, okay. So this is pretty specific as far as your car has to be safe. It has to be up to snuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the higher event, uh, higher end events that I've taught at for years have always had safety inspections. And, and I'm all about this. I, I, I really appreciate this. And it's for the safety of everybody involved. Oh, of course. I mean, I can tell you a story about me coming down to the radio show a couple winters ago. And watched a car lose a ball joint right in front of me and, and go sideways, and right. it was, like, scary. Um, and they were going in a straight line. <laughs> yeah, yeah not, not, not taking high-speed Well, speed initially turns. they were going in a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, they ended up going sideways at one point. Um, but, yeah, exactly, not, not putting pressure on it, right? Right, yeah. right. So, believe it or not, I actually did that between turn two and turn three at Mosport. Lost the ball joint? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's not good. That's fast. That's fast there. It, it was fast. It was a... It, flat spin that felt like it lasted forever. Usually the line is, I didn't hear anything funny beforehand. Because yeah. <laughs> ball joints generally don't make noise until they just, the big noise. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. So uh, would you, would those inspections, for example, be able to be done at the track? Yeah, absolutely. So in that business park, the concept of having these uh, engineers, mechanics on site, it's that the cars get to be um, serviced directly there. So if someone is out for a high-performance track day and burns their brakes out, they don't have to trailer at home. There's mechanic shops right there that will be able to deal with that or tire supply shops. Um, So, yeah, the tech inspections and a lot of work will be happening on the property. All right, people want to find out more about Oro Station. Where do they go? So we've got a website, orostation.ca. Um, as well, we're on the regular social channels, Instagram, um, Facebook, etc. And uh, and otherwise, I mean, feel free to, to drive by. We've got a big sign out front, and you can see some of the activity from the road. Oh, so you can actually drive into the property at this point? Not into the property, but you can see it from out on Line 7. Okay, okay, okay. And, uh, and the renditions online were beautiful. I, in fact, I thought those were real pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really wish they were, but we've got more of that I said, coming. I don't understand. They just got approval last week. How's this track finished already? <laughs> They've been pulling the wool over someone's eyes. Yeah, well, I, and I drove it uh, went over a year ago, a year and a half ago. On your simulator. On the simulator. Yeah. Yes. Wow. And and yeah, that blows me away. I've never really been in a real simulator. We're gonna have to fix that. It's uh, it, it's really, really, it's a cool experience. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm in the middle of buying a couple of simulators right now that are cutting edge and and really, really cool. You're buying a simulator. Yeah, a couple of them. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It just attaches to your television, and you get a little. <laughs> oh no, no, they 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 come in. It's delivered on a truck. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very, very cool. So. All believe, right. believe it or not, some of these new simulators are out cost as much as a car um, in the sense of their the motion, the hydraulics to them. Um, and for us in the design process, they were a really key piece in terms of being able to work out design elements of the track and make sure that we had it nailed perfectly. Uh, actually, it's Kenny Kirsch, this fellow that I had mentioned earlier who was uh, friends of Mike, um, he was into flying and, and had been flight simulators. Like, he's got his thing set up with mm-hmm. the cameras. And he said, oh, it's very realistic, very realistic. Yeah, except you don't get hurt. And yeah, and and but they give you a bag anyway. It's just in case you kind of <laughs> want to lose your cookies. <laughs> uh, 
You're right. And and one simulator is is even at least to save you a couple cars. Want to thank our guests, of course, uh, Jeff again from Oro Ra- the Oro Racetrack. I want to thank Amy Bradley of Wayfair Insurance and uh, and congratulations to Siegfried again for winning the ca- the uh, the Thule rooftop carrier and of course Tyre Butler as well. Um, and uh, again, blah 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 blah. OPP Car Sergeant Kerry Schmidt. So uh, if you're loading up the truck, going to go up north, make sure everything is tied down. Mm-hmm. How's that song go? Tie your mother down. Who did that? I, I, I don't. That's, you don't know uh, that no, song? I don't know that song. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Got to run. Thank you, Carlos, for doing it. And we'll see you next week. This was Dave's Corner Garage. This has been an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740.